Hello and welcome. If you're listening to the sound of my voice, you have returned to Two Beers, Please, the podcast. Thank you for coming uh, back. If this is your first time, uh, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we are excited to have you here and we're excited to keep talking sports. Obviously, as you all know, we just made our comeback earlier this week. So very excited yeah, to be back on the on the web and that was an old word to use uh on, on the back internet on the web. <laughs> back on the web uh it was it's exciting to be back and what a time to be back too it's always funny matt i i feel in the summer is is always like sneakily it happened last summer too it's always sneakily more busy talk than it is like when actual sports are like going on because when sports are going on you're just talking about results but when it's like trade season there is just so much going on all the time it's nuts it's nuts the draft i mean you got the mlb trade deadline the draft nba free agency starting of course the transfer window and then like you know olympics and yeah it's it is funny how like we totally underestimated just how like oh it's probably gonna start slowing down now but you're right the more like when a when a sport is in its off season, there's far more to talk about than when it's in the season. Like when it's in the season, it's like, yeah, that team's playing the best. I don't, I don't know what to tell you, but yeah, there's a lot more moving pieces when when the sport's not in season. Right. It's also more exciting to talk about, right? Because like we'll talk about the trades made, and these trades have all the potential in front of them. Whereas like halfway through the season, you're like, oh well, that guy's a bust. Period. Done. Like there's nothing really to talk about it. But now it's like, oh, who is this? You know, are the are the Chicago Bulls a top five team in the East? I don't know. Maybe could happen. I can say whatever I want, and it's it's like it like doesn't matter. So it's a fun time to talk about. I'm just happy we're not talking about Aaron Rodgers anymore because my God, I couldn't hear one more word about what Aaron Rodgers said today about anything. Like I really, I could. I don't know if you feel that way, but I I could give I could give a crap less. Oh, I t- I totally felt that way, especially as like. A Packers fan who most of my – I'd say most of my friends, I think like I said this a lot, are like Bears fans. So they're always like trying to grasp on anything to be like, oh, Aaron's going to leave you guys. You're done. And I certainly was worried about it like a little bit. But I was like, look, either he's leaving and he's done or he's going to come back and play. Like there, how many – there's not really a ton of different options here. And, uh, yeah, he, I'm glad it's over with. Um, I'm glad that he's – He's got, I mean, now I'm even hopeful, you know, we'll see what happens this year. If they do well and if they keep actually kind of listening to their quarterback for, you know, once, then maybe we get another year out of him. But I'm glad we at least got one more year and I'll come in with the optimism until we lose in the NFC Championship game. Oh, that's just the right attitude to have as a Packers fan. I, uh, I agree wholeheartedly. I mean, they got Randall Cobb, so that's fun. How do you feel about that move? Oh, I'm pumped. He's not, I mean, like, it's not going to be, he's not the cob of old, um, but I think he's, he's a good veteran to have in there. I think he's still a guy that, like, our receiving core, obviously, like, Lazar did a lot better last year. MBS did a lot better. Um, we got Amari Rogers from Clemson, who I think is going to kind of even be as similar to, like, a kind of cob sort of player. Um, and then, you know, I think Devontae Adams, arguably the best receiver in the league right now. Um, but I think it's more just sometimes, like, the presence and, 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 Probably most importantly, Aaron Rodgers wanted them to go get Randall Cobb. And so they did it. And like that, that's the win here. Like whether Randall Cobb has a huge year or not, just his presence and the fact that they listened to what Aaron Rodgers wanted 
is a win. Now they just need to go get Jordy, get the whole team back together. Donald Driver, get him out of retirement. Greg Jennings, where you at, Greg? Where you at, Greg? I think Donald Driver is still my all-time favorite Packer. I love that man. I I hear that from most Packers fans. I don't know what it is. He's a man. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, he's not the best Packers player of all time. No, he's not. He's not. I mean, he's not. Even like receiver-wise, like probably Jordy at his peak was better. Obviously, Devontae was better. Um, Greg and him. I think would probably be like close to each other. Uh, but like, he was just, he always, he was kind of like Heinz Ward where like, he always just had a big ass smile on his face. Like was just enjoying himself and he still did make big plays. And uh, a guy who also was like, I think he was like dealing drugs as a, as a teenager because he just grew up in a tough neighborhood like that and found his way to, you know, college football and then wasn't supposed to make it in the NFL. So I think anytime a team, you know, there's that sort of story of a guy that's like making himself into a pro that, maybe shouldn't or, you know, quote unquote, shouldn't. He always had a little bit of a, a soft spot for those guys. Yeah, definitely. Well, excited to focus on actual Packers football and not what Aaron Rodgers tweeted this week. I'm going, um, I'm going to my first Packers game this year too, Yannick. Nice. Which game are you going to? I'm going to Packers Steelers, October 3rd, two days before my birthday. We were talking about doing So my sister's now fiance, huge Packers fan. We were talking about going – for the for our birthdays because his birthday's October 9th like last year and then you know with COVID and everything so then this year especially when the Rogers Rogers news is like I don't know if we're gonna get another season out of him we're like we got to pull these pull the trigger on this so October 3rd I'm finally touching down in Lambeau and I could not be more excited oh my gosh against the Steelers too that's that's gonna be fun that's a fun game right? I I mean I don't know what Pittsburgh's gonna be this year but you know they won't be terrible I mean, they're going to be a, a decent team. They're but always I think we should be able to beat them, right? Oh, so well, it's one yeah, of those you, games you, where, like, it's a good opponent, but, like, an opponent that I feel confident that, like, we should win that game. So it's the yeah, perfect it's, perfect blend. Exactly. It's like if I went to the Pats game when they play the Bucks. You know, they're a good team, but we can, be, we can beat them. <laughs> That's going to be a hard hey, game to Hey, I'll be cheering for the Pats <laughs> this year for that one. It's the only game anyone's cheering for the Pats is the one against Brady, let me tell you. Um, yeah, but anyway, thank you so much for coming back, listening to us on the podcast. As always, we're going to ask that you follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, at the number two BP underscore podcast, and uh, in our Instagram, at two beers, please underscore, underscore podcast, spelled like it sounds. Listen to us on Spotify, Anchor, and iTunes. Follow, subscribe, review, and enjoy. As always, we kind of just shoot the shit at the beginning. So I have a question for the day for Matthew. There are a lot of good meals in this in this world. There's so many good meals. If you're in Lord of the Rings, there's about like eight or nine. So, you know, it's it's really, it's an important part of everyone's day. So I have an important question for you. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, or now that I bring that up, any other meal that you might like, which is your favorite? Second breakfast. Um, oh, the white girl in me, the white girl in me wants to say brunch. No, you know, I don't know if I really have like a favorite meal. I just, I love food so much and eating, mm-hmm. but I suppose if, if I had to choose one, I think I'd go with breakfast mm-hmm. just because it has like more specific foods, you know, like, like if you eat pancakes for dinner, everyone's like, oh, you're having breakfast for dinner, but you don't like really do that with other meals. Like hell, you can have steak and eggs for breakfast and no one's like, oh, that's dinner for breakfast. So I think like, the specificity of what you have for breakfast and like normally only eating that at breakfast time, as opposed to like lunch and dinner, I think is somewhat interchangeable by the foods you eat. 
Um, so I'll go with breakfast just because it's it's the most unique of the three meals. I love that. And I'm actually going to go with breakfast as well. Love me some breakfast. You know what it is about breakfast, Matthew? Uh, breakfast is the only meal on like a normal day. So I'm not including like Christmas and stuff like that where you have a Christmas dinner or Thanksgiving for sure. Uh, you know, granted. But on like a normal day in the year, breakfast is the only meal that can truly have a great impact on your day. Granted, it's that because it's at the beginning of the day. But like how you do your breakfast really defines your day. And like if you're having brunch is is a great example. I when you when I go to brunch, like who actually eats mostly lunch food at brunch? Like tell me that. Like who like they eat yeah. breakfast food. They do. Right. And and if I see you eating like just lunch food, I'm 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 judging you. I am. Yeah, kind of like what are you doing? Yeah, like oh, we should have just called this lunch. Why do we call this brunch? That's right. You're just eating lunch. The point is to have breakfast for lunch. It is just an excuse to get drunk at the meal as well. Which is fine, but tell <laughs> us that ahead of time. Um, but yeah, I agree. Great foods. I love me a breakfast burrito. Let me tell you, I love me a breakfast burrito. Oh, boy. A bacon, egg, and cheese in New York. Let me get it. Pancakes. You brought up pancakes. Oh, pancakes. Let me tell even you. Just like, even just like scrambled eggs. And, like, I feel like breakfast food really is like they're, – they're very com- it's very comfort food. It's comfort food. I, I had, I'm, I'm in, uh, I'm in Miami. For those of you who, I don't know why anyone would know that. I'm in Miami right now with my grandfather. For, for those of you on the Yannick Travel Watch, yeah, in Miami, uh, coming to you live from the sun. Uh, yeah, I'm in Miami, and my grandfather is uh, a former cook. So I got some nice eggs and breakfast potatoes this morning. Oh, and a bowl of fruit. Let me tell you, I feel you like mean? a king. I do. And, you know, on a more serious note, it's also the meal I miss the most, which is like a huge bummer because I always work really early in the morning uh, when I'm back home. And so, like, I'm at work. I don't get to have breakfast, really. By the time I'm hungry, it's like 1 p.m. And I'm like, I should eat. <laughs> I haven't eaten today. I, I should probably eat. Isn't that, isn't that something that is, we should be doing? Oh, uh, yeah. Honestly, food. Oh, yeah. Food. And you know what? Missing the meal probably contributes to my bouts of depression. So I really should get back on that. Uh, make it a make it a habit. But yeah, I agree. Breakfast is such an important meal. There's so many great foods you can eat. I think you can eat anything for breakfast and make it about breakfast, like you said. Like you can eat steak, and all of a sudden it becomes like this breakfast food, or even a, like a breakfast burrito. You know? Yeah. Or like chick, chicken and waffles. There you go. You can have fried chicken for breakfast, and all of a sudden it's not anything but breakfast food. It's uh, the best. It is the best. I'm glad we cleared this up. I'm glad we agree. That 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 would have been a hard one to argue with you on. So um, I'm glad we agree. We can move forward in the podcast on a on yeah. a. I guess on I, an amicable I have note. almost. I almost have to back backtrack. I guess I do think breakfast is the best. I'm glad you've seen the light. I'm glad you have uh, come. Yeah, for sure. I don't know what the worst one is. Lunch. Uh, we'll have to go lunch. lunch. Yeah, because you never know what you're doing. <laughs> you're just, yeah, lunch is like lunch is kind of whatever. Right, I I agree. I'm always like, well, I'm I'm. You can go out for like a really nice, like you go out for like really nice dinners. You know, you like nice appetite. Like dinner can also just be a big, extravagant, enjoyable meal. You don't really do that with lunch. Lunch is sorry, lunch. Like, yeah, I appreciate I appreciate you, but just if we're power rankings the three meals, you're number three. I don't I don't know what to tell you. Right, you're just tidying me over from breakfast to dinner. Really, <laughs> you're just there as the filler in between. I hate to break it to you, but. We all have our roles in this life, and your role is filler. <laughs> you are a filler in this life. Um, yeah, so thank you, for, thank you for engaging with me, entertaining me with that little uh, 
little conversation. Now we're going to go down to the pub uh, and we're going to go, you know, through what we're drinking today. And honestly, like I said, in Miami at my grandfather's house, uh, happy for my 83 year old that there's not a lot of beer here. He's, He's keeping himself healthy. There's not a lot of alcohol. Um, Respect that. So I just had to grab what I could find. So I am drinking a nice El Presidente today, which is a nice little, nice little beer. That's fitting. It is fitting. It is a very Miami beer. So I, uh, I'm excited. It's 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 a light one too. You know, when we do these podcasts, sometimes I don't want to drink. I don't want to drink too heavy. It's like two p.m. No. Oh my god, I can't. What am I gonna? I don't want to drink like a golden monkey. We're not at brunch. We can't just get drunk in the middle of the day. Oh gosh. Or the, or the day, airport. The other area or, you can get drunk at any time. There you go. One day we'll do a brunch episode and then they'll just go completely to shit. Because <laughs> it'll be a quick one. It'll be a real quick one. <laughs> be a quick one. I'm done. I don't want to talk. Quick, or it'll be a really good one. I, you know, I don't know. Hey, plans for the future. We're always making them. What are you drinking today? Uh, since since I, I believe, you know, it's always tough to actually know what the schedule is of the Olympics, but I believe this is like the last day of stuff. So in, in support of America, I just went with a nice Budweiser. A nice Bud? Oh. Um, Bud heavy. Matt, that's two, that's two episodes in a row you've contributed to the, the can noise. I got I to gotta, I gotta up my game a little well, bit. Well, you right? were doing it for a while. You were doing it for a while, and I wasn't bringing it. So, you know, it's, I'm just starting to do my part. I'm trying to catch up it. to you. Okay, good. I, I, I appreciate the uh, responsibility you've taken on yourself. You know, with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> Second season, I'm trying to grow up. I'm trying to be a big adult. Yeah, aren't we all? In the second season of our life for COVID, in the second year of COVID, aren't we all just trying to be a little more grown up about it? <laughs> aren't we all? Get vaccinated, you assholes. Get vaccinated, He's please. Trying. My God. All right. Yeah, Let's really move easy. on. It's super easy. Uh, and it. wait, have you seen the whole Kirk? Or don't, or don't, and soon, like, you're going to be the one paying for it. So, like, I, like. It, the, that's the biggest thing about it now is like you realize that we're like telling you to do this for your own good and soon either you will be in a bad situation health wise or not be able to go places so like I, I guess do what you want but like you're making your own bed here by right decisions. I, it's also I like, like most of our view I don't really think we've got a lot of listeners that are getting vaccinated no yeah I would hope so and if you are preaching hey. to the or preaching to the choir I guess that's good to have some diversity in our listeners. Yeah, man. Hopefully we can start a conversation, you know, really make some change in this world. If Matt and Yannick say get vaccinated, damn it, I should get vaccinated. I trust their opinions on sports. I have to trust their opinions on on internal medicine. (laughs) We actually don't know if they trust our opinions on sports. They just like listening to us sound like assholes. Yeah. Hey, it's us or every other person on the air. So there you go. You got to pick your poison a little Which bit. Which asshole do you want to choose? Yeah, exactly. All right, let's get. Thanks for choosing ours. Thanks for choosing our assholes. Um, all right, so talked about the Olympics just now. I actually don't know if it's the last day. It's it must be close. It's this week at some point. Um, I also I just turn the TV on and I only look for the ones that are live because I'm like I don't want to watch something that's being replayed. That's I hate, I hate the replays. It, it's the worst. And you know what? It makes me feel better because sometimes guys. There's a long time between when we record and when we release. It just happens in life. 
And this whole like NBC thing makes me feel better about it because I'm like, if they can replay like something that happened 48 hours ago and act like it's happening live, then we as sure hell can have some dated conversation. All right. It's NBC. Especially for like the major one. Like, I guess if you're going to show me a replay of like, I don't know, some rowing or equestrian, I, I probably don't have my finger on the pulse of what's happening that in the Olympics games. But like, showing me a replay of the soccer matches or the basketball games, like, yeah, I already know what happens. Like, why are you telling, like, over and done with? Yeah, and and it it seems, like, really easy to deal with, right? You have two teams working, one NBC team on the ground, recapping everything that you might have missed at night, and then you have one NBC team in Tokyo doing all the live stuff. And that should really be it. And I granted, like, Maybe you don't get to cover everything, but none of us want to see everything anyway. No one, I don't like, there's an American who won the, you know, 68 kilogram weightlifting contest. I'm so happy for her. Show me that in a little one minute clip. I don't need to watch that whole competition. I I don't need to watch the pentathlon. I don't like, I don't need oh, to you're watch missing the pentathlon. Out, I don't. <laughs> the steeplechase? I, I guess it's not the last day. I think it was the last day of gymnastics today. I think that's what it was. I don't know. It's too hard to keep track of. Right. I mean, last day of gymnastics, that's basically the last day of the Olympics. That's that's the last day that people <laughs> are really tuning in. They're like, how did Simone Biles do? All right. Now I'm done. Thank you. Right. Um, right. So, but let's go over some Olympics action. Uh, we're just going to recap it. We, we're not trying to tell you this is happening live. We're just trying to tell you what happened. Um, something kind of disappointing for the U.S. Olympic team. The USA women, normally a dominant powerhouse of the sport, both in World Cup play, international play, and in Olympic play. Uh, they've had kind of a struggling campaign to start out with. They had that shock loss to Sweden. They had a goalless draw with Australia. And it did not get any better in the knockout rounds. They lost 1-0 to Canada on a controversial penalty. Uh, it was just a rough game. The goalie went out injured early. Uh, they're going to compete for bronze now with Australia. Kind of, it it kind of makes you wonder what's coming next. You know, is it the end of an era? Alex Morgan, Megan Rapinoe, they're only getting older, and it's you know, there's Christian Press. They're still great players. Don't get me wrong, but how will the next generation keep up the dominance? You know, will it be like we've we're used to seeing? Was this just like a one-off tournament, or is it going to be a little more competitive? There's a lot of great female teams out there, um, and as the sport gets more notice in the rest of the world. You know, will the U.S. continue to keep up their dominance? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, I mean, I, I guess my, my takeaway from it was that era was already over, you know, and I, and I think that's what's the issue been. Because, like, it's not like there haven't been good teams. Uh, you know, America was trying to do the first, you know, World Cup and then win a gold medal. Nobody's ever won gold medal World Cup back to back like that. And, and so there's always been good teams. There's always been, you know, Brazil and and Sweden's always a solid team. The Netherlands are getting better, who obviously gave us a, a good run for the money um, in, in that first knockout round game. Canada has been a very good team for a long time. Even Australia is getting better. Um, so, yeah, like, like the competition is certainly improving, but it's not like that's all that new. I just think that this era was already done with. Look, I love Megan Rapinoe. I, she's, she's a talisman on and off, off the pitch. She was done. She should not have been a part of this team. She's too old. And her legs were showing that. And when we saw that early on in the tournament, I think the same thing can be said for Carly Lloyd. I even think Tobin Heath. That for some reason, and I don't know if it was just, it was tough to not pick them because of the icons they are. 
I don't know if there's a bit of, oh, we want to keep some viewership here and these are the big names. But but those players should not have been a part of the team. And, and it was pretty clear because just the pace of, of the other teams was was hurting America throughout the tournament. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing. I, I think America was trying to hold on to that era and, and to those great players a little too long. And, and we should have just said, sorry, guys, it's, it's time to move on. Like I, I know it's heartbreaking. It's always tough to say that to players, especially on the international uh, competitions like this because they come so few, but their time was over. And, and I think that was pretty apparent. Um, you also kind of wonder like nine disallowed offside goals, what was going on there? I understand you're going to get goals disallowed from offsides. It, it happens in soccer. Nine is, is kind of an absurd amount. Uh, to be happening. So what was going on with the team there and the strategy? Um, but yeah, I, I just think it was one of those times. And we and we do see this uh, in international uh, soccer uh, a good amount where you're, you're trying to hold on to that, that era that did do so well for you. And you're not letting the next era come in and, and actually show what they've got. Um, because you, you can't tell me that those were our best forwards. Um, and, and I, I have to admit, I don't know who the next people up would be, but I know they're probably faster than, than our, you know, elder statesmen that we had out there. Yeah. That was a problem on the U S men's team too. And look what happened now that they kind of let all the young guys go in. Uh, we'll talk about that a little later, but yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely something that happens across many team sports is like, how do you make the transition between veterans and the new people, especially when the veterans had so much success. Uh, if you're Germany, you ban three of them from playing for three years, for example, for no reason other than you're, you have to blame somebody. Uh, so I get it. But, you know, it, it it's definitely heartbreak for the U.S. women's team, uh, you know, holding so much uh, expectation. And uh, yeah, but they will play for bronze and, you know, obviously still have all the expectation of the world on them in the next tournament going into um, what uh, uh, Olympic uh, performances that you've been impressed with. You have any? You have any that you kind of have stood out to you, or any that you've like really enjoyed watching or hearing about? I, I have. Last night, this was you know a little probably recency bias, but last night it was watching the four hundred men's four hundred meters uh, hurdles. Carson oh. Warholm from Norway. I mean, what an absolute race! The dude had absolutely. I, I mean, I love it too because you know in a race like that you do. Kind of sometimes have a little strategy. No, that dude was done in 100% right from the start of it. Uh, Rye Benjamin had, ran a great race for America's too and, and kind of gave him – it looked like he might be catching up to him. And then Morholm in the last 50 meters just took off again. And, I mean, to get under 46 seconds out of 400 meters when you have hurdles that you're jumping is absolutely insane. Uh, so he's been one of my big ones. I'll keep it in the track and field area. How about the Jamaican women? I mean, you got Elaine Thompson or air took home the gold and a world record in the hundred meters. She also won the 200 meters. She now joins Usain Bolt as the only athletes to ever go back to back in the hundred meter and the 200 meter, but not to be outdone. Her teammates wanted on the action as well. You had Shelly Ann Frazier price taking silver, Sherika Jackson finishing the podium for the Jamaicans with the bronze. I mean, like between those, the women's team and Usain Bolt, like Jamaica has got to be the fastest country in the world, right? They definitely are. I remember listening to them before one of the events saying like, oh, she got fourth in Jamaica's uh, all-time, all-round tournament. I was like, oh, so she's the fourth fastest woman in the world, <laughs> right? Yeah, Like exactly. she, getting fourth in the Jamaica must mean like, in, in, that might as well be the Olympics right there. Yeah, 
Perea. I mean, just an incredible nation when it comes to those those speed races, and they and they continue to that. Um, and not only you know in men's and women's. So really impressive showing by by all the Jamaican uh, women sprinters. And then you know, I unfortunately most of the women's gymnastics discussion has been far more about the absence of Simone Biles and, and her not competing, and and even I feel like her coming back and winning the bronze has gotten more love than Suni Lee taking home the gold in the women's all round. And I, I think she deserves to get a little more love uh, than she's getting. But, you know, unfortunately, the narrative is going to be around Biles. But Sunny Lee getting it done. Fifth straight gold for the USA at that event. Um, and, you know, she's just kind of keeping that tradition going with or without Biles out there. Um, so want to give her some love because I don't think she's gotten near her due credit in, in accomplishing that. Right. Uh, Matt, we're always so on the same level. I only have one different from you. That's so funny. Um in, in the Olympics, right. where there's so much to talk about, I right. only have one different. Um, yeah, I'll add one for Sudi Lee. She put she put through a performance. She did the cycle. She won bronze in the uneven bars. She won silver with the team, and then she won gold in the individual all around. Like she, you know, placed on multiple levels. And I don't think we're talking about her enough. Right, right. You know, because of Simone Biles for sure. But you have a performer who's performing in every event basically she's in, and she deserves the credit. Uh, and she's taken home three medals uh, from Tokyo, and that should be celebrated. I'll, I'll add one more note on the Carson Wallerholm race. Not only was it ridiculous, and I've never seen an event so hyped. I mean, I was hearing about this event, like, for three days. I was hearing about this event, Rye Benjamin versus Carson Wallerholm. And in the racing community, it, it must have been like, like Jordan versus LeBron. Like, it really must have been. That's how I was getting hyped up. And and uh, there's always that one. There's always that one race in the Olympics that like everyone's like, hey, this is the race you got to watch. Right. And, and it, li- yeah, and it that was and this it. was definitely it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Not only did he run. First of all, when he finished, the only thing I deal, the best way to describe how crazy a sub 46 second 400 meter is, is that the commentator went, that's impossible. Like not in a celebrated day. He went, that is impossible. He beat their Olympic he was, record. He, was, he literally was just like, I'm just glad to be here to see this happening because right. I never thought that this would happen. Right. And Cause, Yeah, because it's insane. Right. It is insane. And he broke the Olympic record and the world record, his own world record that he sent, uh, set earlier. Three, three weeks ago or something like that? Three weeks ago. And Rye Benjamin, who finished second, uh, ran the second fastest 400-meter hurdles time of all time. Like, can you imagine you you beat the Olympic and world record and you and the guy <laughs> and you still finish second? I mean, that's ridiculous. That's such a, like such a bittersweet like that, that sucks. Like right? you just broke a world record. Unfortunately, there was a dude who broke it a little bit better than you. Right, and then I'll go one further. Dos Santos, who was in third, is the fourth fastest four hundred meter hurdle time of all time. Like this race had top four performances, three of them. I mean, it was crazy. And Carson Warholm is unbeaten in 26 races. Like, of, of, like, and he doesn't lose heats. He doesn't lose semis. He qualifies first every time. And you're right. It looked like Roy Benjamin was going to catch him at the end. And he was like, no, 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 no. That this isn't happening. I thought, I did think, I thought Rye played it a little too safe early on. I thought, yeah. I thought he, I thought he had a little bit more that he could. And, you know, I get that that's, that's part of the, the strategy in, in a race like that. You don't want to outgas yourself too early, but. I, I felt like he get, he let Borholm get a little too much space and, and gave himself too much of a distance to make up, um, but still a hell of a race by him. 
Oh, still a hell of a race, and he he should be nothing but proud about that. Um, yeah, I always think Olympic strategies are funny, and I get that there's so much research that goes into them. But for example, I remember I was watching a swimming event, which was like four full laps of the pool, and they were talking about this American swimmer who just basically guns it for the for all every single lap, and then his last lap is the slowest thing that you ever just seen. tries and holds on. Right. And it's like he was first, like by lengths. And then he was like fifth at the end because he couldn't keep it up. And I was just like, maybe we should change our strategy there. Like maybe that didn't work. <laughs> I mean, but I think like they do figure out what their best strategy, like, which has to kind of suck is like he probably does know that like there's a good chance they'll catch me. But like that must like he must be like, I'm not going to be able to make up this, that time. I won't have the endurance to do it. It's it's interesting to watch. And it, it, I mean, for those sport of, sort of sports too, like you, you don't know what the other people's strategy is going to be. Like all you can do is is run your race or swim your race and and hope that the best. I mean, because like you know, Rye Benjamin's probably going to be upset, and I and I can say, oh, he should have given it a little more at the beginning. He, he he did still break the world record. So like, what the hell do I know? Yeah, what the hell do I know either? I feel that. Okay, and the last little shout I want to give a German gold medalist. This time in the tennis, that's right, Alexander Sverev, 24 years old. He doesn't have any Grand Slam wins yet. He got so close in the U.S. Open that me and Matt watched a year or, a year or so ago. But this time he gets his medal, Olympic gold, dispatches Novak Djokovic in the semifinals on the way to that gold. And I'm really happy for him because he's just been so close in so many tournaments. And he's right on the cusp of breaking through. And I hope this gold medal really helps him move through. Granted, the tennis field a little weak, you know, with a lot of people not going, but he did beat the guy to get there. So, um, you know, really excited for him and what that means. Uh, and like, let's talk about Novak Djokovic. Cause last week, you know, we talked about Bye. when are we going to consider Novak Djokovic, you know, the best, the best tennis player in the world. And you know what, this, this Olympics this and I'm biased. Granted, this is not the way that you should look at the yeah. sports. You should look at yeah, sports for accuracy. You don't hold. You don't but, hold the cap. He is the best ever. Like there's, there's. I don't think there's even a debate. He's, he's got the same amount as Federer and Nadal. He's trying to do the gold. What's it? I can't even remember what it's called. Like the gold slam. Only Steffi Graf has done that. Like, I, he's out of Federer and Nadal. He's the only one that's won multiple Grand Slams at each thing. He is the best. He's a douchebag. I mean, the guy's a tool. I, like, I don't like Novak Djokovic at all. But, like, unfortunately, you do kind of have to separate the two. The, guy, the guy's the best tennis player of all time, or male tennis player of all time, at least. And it, it does suck that he's such a tool because it's not enjoyable. I actually have less of a problem with his meltdown because, look, the gold slam, that, that's a hell of an accomplishment to even be close to. And, and he probably is exhausted. And he probably is like, damn, I'm so close to doing this history. So I, I give a... He probably doesn't need to be that, you know, boisterous about it with his, his meltdown, but I, I sort of get it. The thing that was the worst thing to me was him ditching his teammate in the doubles. Like, where's the outcry against him doing that as opposed to Simone Biles? Like, Simone Biles didn't really let down her teammate near as much as Novak Djokovic did. Like, he, his doubles partner can't compete now. Simone Biles basically is just like, hey, guys, someone else can take my spot. I, I can't do this. Like, why are we not holding him to – the same standards when actually it's even worse. Right. And this is all after he said publicly that Simone Biles needs to get herself together. if She's actually a real champion because that's what real champions do. So the fact that he's willing to say that about Simone Biles and then throw a little temper tantrum because he loses, you know what? 
Here's what I'm going to say. Is he the best tennis player of all time? Yes. Will he be able to claim that without an asterisk next to his name? No. He's a punk, and the whole world should know that now, and that's just the end of that conversation. You can tell me all the all you want in the world. Man, there's not an asterisk. It's not there like he's steroids. But, like, it's more just like, yeah, he's the best. He's a dick. Yeah. You know who else was, was a like, really good tennis not, player? not really, like, comparable. Like, there's there's been plenty of dicks in, in like, athletics that were not, like, Oh, but he doesn't count as much because he's an asshole. Like, you just have to also remember that they were assholes. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying the asterisk means it's any less deserved. I'm just saying, for me, I guess the best, when you use the word best and you don't use accomplished and you don't use most, you know, talented stuff like that, when you're, you're using this kind of word, which is very, very, you know, loaded and ambiguous, um, I, I do take I do take sportsmanship into account. That's just I do. And like, granted, yeah, you know, but it, it's different. I mean, it's different in tennis, though. It's an individual sport. Like he has accomplished more than other male tennis players. Like it's not like like I think you can say LeBron's the best, even though he doesn't have the most MVPs, even though he doesn't have the most NBA championships. In an individual sport, like if you have accomplished the most. I don't know how you're not the best, you know? Right. Like, and I'm, yeah, and I'm not saying is he the most likable? Is he your favorite tennis player? <laughs> no, but like he still is probably the best. Right. No. And I, like I said, I'm not taking the best tag away from him. I'm just saying that he does not live up to it as I wish he would because he, it's not the first time, Agreed. it's not the last Agreed. time. And it's, uh, it's just really sad to see someone who could be such a great role model for tennis players really being a dick. I get, I, mean, I get where you mean to. You'd like to be able to really celebrate the best, and can, yes, can, you, can you can you can you ever really celebrate Novak Djokovic? No, because like, how can you cheer for the guy? He 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 makes it impossible for you. Like he's not he's not likable in, in any sense of the word. Um, so I, I I mean I get I get what you mean there. Right, and it's like there are there are there are other people that you don't want to root for in sports sometimes, but those players are like punks on the field. You know, they like they they're they're trash talkers. Like I'm thinking basketball specifically, trash talkers like that that you like. Ah, this guy just talks trash and he wins. And but I respect that so much more than anything he does because everything he does is so geared towards his ego and not towards the sport. Like you you want to give him the benefit of the doubt for like. Oh, he was, he's stressed out fine, but he does this every tournament that he doesn't perform well in. So it's like, at some point, grow the fuck up, grow the fuck yeah. up when you lose, if you're the best, you know? I, well, I guess, I suppose I just don't totally like, I, I do think he melts down a little bit too much. I guess I don't really care that much about the meltdown, but like when you, when you start, when you don't show up for your teammate, when you say this stuff against some, Simone Biles and then do the same shit, like that, the, there's there are different things. I get get being t- too competitive and being like going getting upset about it. Like I do. Right. Like that's that's kind of the competitive. He wouldn't be this far in his career if he wasn't didn't have that competitive nature. But like right. there's also the you can leave leave it on the court. I guess is what it would be called, right? But like I mean, you know, like Floyd Mayweather, he, you probably have to say he's one of the best boxers. You're not really likable. I mean. But at least like don't Novak's more of a dick. Floyd's done some things that like are kind of unforgivable. Um, but like he still probably is one of the best boxers. Um, but yeah, no, I mean I, I totally get what you're saying, where like when they are the best, you you want to be able to celebrate them, you want to be able to to enjoy them being the best. And he makes it impossible. 
Right. It also just sucks that the two guys that he's passing on and, and like taking those accolades from are such good people. Like Nadal yeah. and Federer are both such good guys that it yeah. kind of pains me to see him pass them in those accomplishments. I'm not Swiss or Spanish. I don't care. But like to see such good guys get passed by someone who like, you know, I'm not going to talk about deserving because obviously he deserves it. But like just makes you you don't want to root for him you don't want yeah. to talk about him it's you don't want to celebrate yeah you know it's not enjoyable it's not enjoyable to watch like when you watch someone accomplish these things it's whether you like even like tom brady i, I don't really cheer for tom brady but like it, it's it is enjoyable to watch him work so hard and, and and accomplish these these things that he accomplishes like i'm not like super pumped about it but it is it, it's more enjoyable to watch him make these marks with novak it's kind of just like man I, I wish you were just a better dude. Right. I, w- I wish I wish I could talk about this for more than two seconds without feeling like, Ugh, whatever. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, let's stop talking about Novak then, shall we? Let's go on to a Gold Cup win for Team USA. That's right. They beat Mexico 1-0 in the final. Miles Robinson. Let's go center back. 117-minute winner. Uh, congratulations to the young man. And the uh, question is, will this translate to further success? You know, uh, my initial thought is probably not. Other CONCACAF teams were also pretty depleted. But at the same time, the USA were playing without Christian Pulisic. They were playing without Weston McKinney. So it's definitely a promising sign for the future. Uh, and, yeah, also another thing, Qatar played in the tournament so that they could have, like, a tune-up tournament to their World Cup. And they made it to the semis and nearly, you know, beat the USA. So They looked a lot better than I thought they were going to look. Not that, right. Again, you know, the CONCACAF as a whole is, is you know, probably the, I guess, besides like Oceania, um, is probably the, the weakest of, of, of the continents. But I was still, I was still pretty impressed by, by Qatar. Yeah, no, they were really good. They got good scores. They're fun to watch. I think it's going to make for an entertaining uh, host run in the 2022 World Cup. Will they make it out of the group stage? I don't know. But like we'll see, we'll see who they get drawn in. We'll see who they get drawn with because they can get three teams that would will still kick their ass. But right, the host nation, I mean South Africa. I know they didn't make it out. I think they're the only host still to not make it out. But they, the host nation, does normally play a little better at home. So, I mean South Africa got paired with Mexico and France in their group. That was unfair. And and, and that Uruguay team that and that Uruguay like, team that we, that did, that we didn't see that we didn't see coming. Like yeah, they got that was a tough tough group. That was they got royally screwed on that one, but yeah, excited for Team USA. It's it's nice to be able to cheer for the men's team. It's just like been such a long slog since 2014, um, so it just feels a little bit like uh, you know it's good to it's good for them to get something to win, and uh, hopefully it leads hopefully it leads to something more. Yeah, I mean, I I think I think there is. I agree with you. Like a service level winning the gold cup. How much does it mean? Not a whole lot, but only the second time that the USA have beaten Mexico in the final. I mean, most of the time when, when we uh, match up with Mexico at that time, we, we don't get it done. They, they beat us. Um, I know Mexico is missing like a few players, but not nearly as many as, as we were. Um, and I think, you know, with this win, with the League of Nations win, it's, you know, sometimes it is just about setting a culture and setting a mindset of being able to win. And I, I think... This team is really starting to believe in the fact that not only can they win, but that they will win. Um, and we, you know, we've talked about it a lot about how there's a ton of young guys making their mark in European club soccer, and, and would it correlate 
it it's kind of starting to. Um, it's it's a small step forward, but I but I do think it's it's a it's a step forward, and we'll see what they can do in in twenty twenty two. If they make any sort of noise, in twenty like if they make the quarterfinals, that everyone in America is going to think they're going to win it all in twenty twenty six. Like they, if any any sort of mark on the twenty twenty two World Cup, the expectations in twenty twenty six are going to be probably unfairly out of this world. But I, it's exciting that they could even have that possibility because like. Most of the time, as a USA soccer fan, you're like, man, I hope we make it to the knockout round. And if we can get a win in the knockout round, it's a hell of a tournament. And, you know, there, there does seem to be something in the air around USA men's soccer that maybe we already start challenging a little bit more than just that. Yeah, and hopefully so. I mean, the U.S. is so fun to watch and uh, can't wait. Uh, can't wait for that 2026 World Cup. I, I need to save all my money for that World Cup. Let me tell you, I need to save yeah. all my money. I don't care if I have to be a food vendor walking around selling beer. I will go, I'm going to as many games as I need to, or as I can. Exactly. It's an honest living. It's an honest living. So I, I, I mean, oh, yeah. I, I, get a great I, workout in. Right. I mean, you get to talk to, meet Everyone a bunch of people. You're, hand, yeah. you're handing out beer. There you go. Uh, I think we found our calling. Uh, 2026 is going to be big for us. All right. Let's move over to the world of baseball. Uh, Trade deadline in baseball was the busiest that I have remembered ever in my life. Uh, I'm sure that's not true, but I also haven't been paying attention to baseball for all of my life. So feels like that. Um, I mean, <laughs> I'm, we're not going to go through all the trades. It's ridiculous. But Matt, give me some trades that really, really stuck out to you as, as, as big ones that could have an impact going into the last half of the season and into the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think you're right. I think it was a pretty, it was a pretty busy one. Um, I wonder if like it was sort of like COVID of like teams being like, all right, if we're going to, if we're going to rebuild, let's rebuild. Or if we're going to go for it, let's go for it. I, I think the biggest move, you know, you is, is has to be Max Scherzer and Trey Turner going to the Dodgers. The Dodgers, you know, finally got that elusive world series last year, but, but I love that they're not like that. They're still staying aggressive. And um, obviously they're in a pretty tight divisional battle with the giants and the Padres this year. Um, they get, you know, a guy to replace Trevor Bauer because I'm not really sure he'll be playing for them again this year um, or in the foreseeable future. Um, so, you know, you get a guy, Max Scherzer, who also led the Nationals uh, to a World Series title just two years ago. So I think that's, you know, the biggest move. Um, then, like, the Cubbies the Cubbies didn't surprise me, but I guess it, it there's a little bit of a surprise to it, just in the sense that, like, most of the time when you see a team kind of start doing a fire sale like that, usually they don't trade everybody. Like I kind of thought like Javi or, 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 you know, one of those guys would still kind of be around, but I think it's the smart move because look, if you're, if you're going to commit to the rebuild, why half-ass it? Like if, if you're going to get rid of these guys and try to get as many prospects as you can and look towards the future, there's really no reason to, to hold on to, to anything else. So I, I thought it was smart of them to say, all right, let's, let's commit to this. It's obviously sad to see all those guys go, uh, you know, an Aaron and Cubs baseball that will, be remembered forever. Those guys, you know, breaking the curse and everything. And, and a guy, especially like Rizzo, who, who was there for so many years and went through so many ups and downs with the team. Um, but I think it's good for all those guys. They, they all got to go to, to really good spots. I think the, the bias and the Mets move is the one that excites me the most. Um, partnering him with Francisco Lindor and that infield, like they're going to be turning double plays left and right. Um, and then as far as like teams really going for it, I, I one that surprised me was Blue Jays get, get a great guy and, and Jose Bear. Berberius, um, 
but it was a little surprising that they traded away their 2020 first rounder in, in Austin Martin. So a steep price for a team that I guess once, like I said, you know, if the teams are trying to win now, they, they are really, really, really going for it. Um, and hopefully for Toronto, it'll pay off for them. I don't think it will. You know why? Because Toronto, because they're not going to cut. Like, I get it. You have Vlad Guerrero Jr. You're very excited. You want to compete. But imagine, like, what you could do if you had kept that pick. Because let's be honest, you're not beating the Red Sox anytime soon. You're not beating the Yankees anytime soon, especially after the moves they made in the free agency. That's who really surprised me. I mean, the Yankees signed Joey Gallo and Anthony Rizzo. It's Bat City over there. Anthony Rizzo, Joey Gallo, uh, Giancarlo Stanton, Anthony, uh, Anthony, Aaron Judge, DJ LeMayhew. I mean, there's no reason they shouldn't be the top team in the in the in the American League. Like, I, they should be disappointed if they at least don't beat the Red Sox out to that first place. And you know what? They probably won't because because they're. I was say we could say that about the Yankees last like three years with the bats they signed. Right, but like, I mean, there's no. I don't know what they're doing. There's no excuse now, though. Uh, they have enough the talent to beat everybody. Uh, yeah, the Cubs. The Cubs. Uh, the Cubs fire sale was interesting. The Red Sox get uh, Kyle Schwarber, which is another, like, not Cubs coming from the Cubs, but another, like, Cub moving around uh, from that team. Uh, Javi Baez to the Mets is exciting. Chris Bryant to the Giants. Uh, the Giants were so excited to get Chris Bryant, and then the Dodgers are just like, oh, well, we got two better players. <laughs> from we, we got us the best shortstop in the league, and and our number three pitcher now is, now, is Max Scherzer. Our number three is Max Scherzer. Like, what – I. You know what? If I'm any team that thinks I might want to rebuild, rebuild because you're not beating the Dodgers. So, like, if you're not going to be the Dodgers in the next two years, you, you yeah, probably we thought, won't. We thought that coming into the season, and the Giants are <clears throat> atop of them right now. I mean, that's the thing yeah, with but, baseball. And like, you can build your roster because, like, like I just said about the Yankees, like we could have said the Yankees should be winning the AL East or the AL last like three years. With baseball, it's it's tougher to just have the – like, you can get your roster as good as you want. It doesn't always mean it's going to come to fruition. Um, yeah, but regular season baseball doesn't matter. The Giants aren't going anywhere. Giants are fine. They're not going anywhere. That's like saying the Red Sox who are top are going to go somewhere. As a Red Sox fan, I'm telling you, they're also not going anywhere. I, well, no, I don't. I think the Giants are – I think the Giants are better than the Red Sox. I don't think that's – I don't think that's true at all. I mean, they're and both yeah, – I mean, Yeah, great. regular season is, is different, but, like – I. We've also seen really good teams in the postseason falter. So I, I, I guess what my point being, like the, we can, what's written in stone doesn't really mean much in baseball. I, I, I think, and particularly when, like, I mean, yeah, you can get Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer can still only pitch one game. Right. That's true. That's true. Yeah, and it's uh, you know, we've had some. The Nationals weren't supposed to win when they had when they won. So you know, it's definitely true. But it does seem like the. Odds are stacked against the rest of the league and for um, the Dodgers. Craig Kimbrell, best closer in the game, in my opinion, moved to the White Sox, uh, also from Chicago. Not part of that team. He was in the Red Sox, but still another player that got traded out. Uh, Eduardo Escobar moves to the Red Hot Brewers. I think the Brewers are a team that people will be like, oh, the Brewers are going somewhere in the playoffs. I think they're really, really good. Uh, And then Starling Marte to the Athletics is also an exciting move. Uh, Let's see if the Athletics can get a – good surge here at the end but yeah lots of moves in baseball really reshuffle the field and it's always exciting to see especially you know so many big names moving uh i'm excited mets are first place in the division javi Baez and francisco lindor they know each other they're friends the only question really for me is can can francisco lindor come back and like be who we thought he's going to be when he got that ridiculous contract which he has not done yet um so 
we'll see if that is something that can happen. Speaking of injuries and updates. Uh, the but I, just, I have to say one more thing. Yes. One of my favorite things about Joey Gallo coming to the Yankees is Joe Gallo is uh, somewhat of an infamous mobster from the early 1970s in New York. He was, uh, he was killed inside Umberto's Clam House, which is still around in Little Italy. It's not in the same location, but he was like, he was this mobster who like, I think he helped kill uh, Columbo, who was the godfather of, of the Columbo family. And it started the first Columbo War. Um, and he was a guy that just like kind of caused chaos in, in the world of the mafia for, for quite a while. And then as normal in, in the mafia ended up getting his. But I loved, like when I, I saw like Joey Gallo going to the Yankees, I was like, that's so, that's so perfect. That's so New York. That's so New York. That's yeah. so New York. Uh, no, I did not know that. So thank you for sharing. I'm not. I'm not as up on my mob history as Matt is. Obviously, oh, Matt, Matt's deep in it. History. Matt. Matt's so deep into it. He's he's got a hit out on him. <laughs> like Matt's so I deep. Not. In it. <laughs> Please Part no. of that. <laughs> Please no. Gosh, they're listening to you right now. They're like, oh, we're gonna get you when you're back in Manhattan. Let me tell you, we're gonna get you. Uh, in Umberto's, you're gonna be in Umberto's. You're gonna have a great time, and that's where you're. I've always wanted to go there. I no, you can't, been. Matt. It's gonna be and dangerous well, for you. That's true. <laughs> I'll just steer clear of Little Italy for a while. Oh God, yeah, honestly. All right, injury updates in the NFL. There's two big ones I want to talk about, and and about their uh, impact on the season coming up. Obviously, the Rams signing uh, Matthew Stafford. Very exciting for them. Um, what can they do in the NFC uh, with their great defense and, and with their great weapons? Uh, Cam Akers, however, their exciting running back really was tearing it up at the end of last season out for the season with an injury. What do you think? How is this going to change the Rams dynamic? Because before Cam Akers got the job, right, they had this three-headed running back monster with him and Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson. Now, Malcolm Brown is no longer there. Cam Akers is no longer there. Daryl Henderson is there, but he's got two – kind of weaker guys behind him. So do you think they're going to, you know, defer to Daryl or do you think that they are going to, you know, just be like, Hey, this is what we did. This worked last time. We're just going to do this again and have like the running back committee. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't think it's, I mean, feel bad for Cam Akers. Like you said, he was really coming on there at the end of, of last season. And obviously there's a lot of optimism around the LA Rams this year. I, I don't think it's going to hurt their team that much because of the move for Stafford. Like, like if it was still Jared Goff at, at quarterback and, and, the run game was going to have to kind of be the catalyst for their offense. I think this would hurt them a lot more. Uh, but I think, I, I think Daryl Henderson is a capable enough guy to lead um, kind of a, a stable of running backs. Um, I, I think in McVay's offense, he'll, he'll find a way to still kind of maximize those other guys in that run game. Um, but yeah, I, I think the move to Stafford means that, as much as they'd like to have Cam Akers, I don't think it's going to hurt the team as much as it would if, if you know, 16 was still taking snaps for them. That's true. Yeah, the Stafford edition definitely changes the outlook for their team. And if there's any coach that can coach around that, it's Sean McVay. So it shouldn't be a big deal, but I did want to hear your opinion on it. And the more big news that now every sports outlet is just talking about for 80,000 years, uh, Carson Wentz out with a foot injury for what could be up to 12 weeks. Uh, the Colts obviously making that big move for Wentz in the offseason. And uh, they have very little behind them. They have Brett Hundley, they have Jalen Morton, and then they have two familiar college names in Jacob Eason and Sam Ellinger. Uh, you know, Colts were a, an exciting team, great defense, still still have a great defense, have a good coaching staff. Uh, they have a good running back 
situation. Uh, will the Colts be able to make the playoffs, though, with that conglomeration of quarterbacks behind uh, Carson if it does take that long? I mean, even if it takes seven weeks or six weeks, that's like seven games without uh, Carson. Uh, do you think they can do it, or, or do you see them – I mean, the news is they're gonna they're gonna try to sign Nick Foles. Could you think if they sign Nick Foles, they could make it? I, I think they have to sign a veteran quarterback. I, I mean, I don't know if it has to be Nick Foles, but I don't I don't think any of those other four guys are gonna are gonna really be able to help the team. And the team has like it, it's the Colts are really one of the most complete teams in the NFL, um, defensively, offensively. They, they've got kind of everything you you would want. So I think if they get a capable veteran quarterback, they can still be competitive, and I, I think still win some games um, until Carson comes back, no matter how long that would be. So I think they, I think they have to sign a veteran quarterback. And I think if they do, they're, they're still going to be in contention with the playoffs just because of how good they are at every other position. But otherwise, like I, I can tell you, I've watched Brett Hundley play in the NFL. He ain't it. And, and I don't <laughs> think, I don't think Eason or Ellinger, like I, I don't think any of those guys are, are they're, they're going to hurt your team so much. Whereas as you know, complete as they are, I think it's really going to hinder them. So I think you got to got to get a veteran quarterback. Um, and if they do, I think I think they're going to be okay. Yeah. Do you, so what what veteran quarterbacks are available other than Nick Foles? I'm trying to think. I don't know. I mean, I bet they wish that Ryan Fitzpatrick was available right now because oh, you know he would lead that team to the playoffs so hard. He would lead that team seven and zero. If Ryan Fitzpatrick was on the Colts, they. They'd win the Super Bowl easily. Super Bowl, baby! Seventeen and 20 and zero. They, yeah, no, no chance. Yeah, I don't really know. I mean, I'm never. It's tough sometimes to you know keep track of what veteran quarterbacks aren't on a on a squad. And so, yeah, I mean, that's why Foles kind of is the the obvious answer, um, right? Especially, especially with Carson Wentz being there. Oh God, yeah, honestly. And how funny would that be if Nick Foles takes another team from an injured Carson Wentz and takes them to the Super Bowl? I would laugh. I, I think Carson would retire. He's like, I, I, I mean, what am I supposed to do? Nick Foles is just always for real. To take my job. <laughs> I like just what? What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? This guy is. I see him in my nightmares. I see him in my in my daydreams. I don't know what to do. He's just ruining my life. Um, no, exciting NFL uh, first preseason game technically starting this Thursday in the Hall of Fame game. And from there, we move through preseason. Eventually, a lot of stars will get injured like they always do. We'll go through our fantasy drafts when that happens, which should be in a couple weeks uh, for Matt and I, at least for one league. Uh, and then it's back to the season, which I think we're all excited about because there's so many different stories going on uh, in the NFL, as there always are. So. Excited for the NFL to start, but for now, we wait in anticipation for Nick Foles to take Carson Wentz's job once again. <laughs>